friends and folks, and welcome back to another episode of Scanline Talks. It's been a while since we've done one of these, just normal Scanline Talks episodes. I'm Six Detmar from Scanline Media. I'm Jennifer Uncle, also from Scanline Media. Guess what? It's me. It's Kyrie Page from Scanline Media. Oh, I really thought it was going to be David this time. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. We never get David on the show anymore. No, we don't. Man, Mm -hmm. just doesn't like us anymore, I guess. Yeah. Sits at the other table with the other kids. Mm-hmm. The cool kids. Right, because yeah, I accepted into their clique, and we're just over here. Like... And also got accepted by the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of that course. That pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, hey, everybody. We're here to talk about Monster Hunter. About to say something else has risen. <laughs> <laughs> just looking at the Rathalos saying he is risen. Yep. <laughs> well, I went to the Rathalos' cave. There was no one there. The cave is empty. No, yep. Mm-hmm. It's because the, the the tomb was also a cave. Is that's the also, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, so it's just like a joke. It's kind yep. of like an irreverent, yeah, bit of humor. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's like a little jeep. It's like a. It's like <laughs> several days late, even. Well, you know that just makes it better. Yeah, hey, I, Jesus I, was three days late too. I, I guess we did kind of just record an April Fool's joke like several days into April. Um, the last podcast we did. I don't know. I mm-hmm. think that was very. I think that was very serious. I don't know what you're talking about, Jennifer. And timely too. Mm-hmm. So here we are talking about Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, the Monster Hunter series has. I was. I wanted to do some kind of like rise and fall thing, but it's pretty much just been a rise, hasn't it? That series has just kind of, like, strapped Capcom to its back. <laughs> yeah, well, like, when it initially came out, it was gigantic in Japan when they got to the PSP releases. Um, not so much over here, but uh, by the time they got to World, it just took off in a massive way, and it just continues to outsell expectations, I'd say. Like... If I recall correctly, Monster Hunter World was their best-selling game ever. Oh, yeah. And that's including all the Street Fighter Two revisions. Yeah, it's done all right. Um, whereas uh, Rise, um, in, in its three days, three days after its release, uh, had, had uh, shipped four million copies, mm-hmm. which is actually less than World, but, uh, you know... It it might be on pace to beat World. I think I think currently it's not, but that's that's partially because it's a Switch exclusive as opposed to being on PlayStation and Xbox One at launch, which right you know two consoles makes makes a difference. Yeah, sure. Also, like um, the thing about games that become like must own Switch games is that uh, like. Games that release on Nintendo consoles can sell for a really long time. Like, you still see Breath of the Wild hitting up uh, sales charts every now and then. That's true. It doesn't really stop. Just kind of just kind of goes forever. Yeah, especially, but especially like a, a game like Monster Hunter. Like, 
it just seems to just keep going. Like it, ever since, um, you know, definitely ever since World, you know, set the world on fire. You know, huh. yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I do kind of think its origins are interesting though, because like when the PS2 was coming out, Capcom was like, okay, this this online console thing that's a brand new thing what if we made a bunch of games that tried to take advantage of it and the games they were making were like resident evil outbreak i think there's a second one and then monster hunter and somehow monster hunter has like become so much bigger than all the other ones uh the other one i believe was auto modelista oh that's right they did auto modelista didn't they which, uh, yeah, I do think it's fair to say it was not on the same scale as those other two. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Like, people don't talk about Resident Evil Outbreak anymore, but it seemed like it did okay. It was an interesting experiment, but, you know, Resident Evil has always been this, like, for a while they tried making Resident Evil a, you know, multiplayer experience. But then, like, they really found success, you know, returning to its roots with, you know, Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that there aren't multiplayer Resident Evil stuff out there, but the success of Seven basically said the Capcom like, no, people typically want you know a single player Resident Evil adventures. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Monster Hunter Rise um, is, you know, Monster Hunter is so interesting to me. Uh, because it is structured in some ways like an MMO. Well, I feel like specifically the compare to me, I mean, like there are obvious changes, right? But I feel like if you were to say, what is Monster Hunter a spiritual successor to? I think the answer is PSO. Yeah, it kind of is. Because I, I played a fair bit of PSO2 and, even, you know, it was a, it was fine. But it really, like, I didn't understand, like the appeal of fantasy star but now that i've played rise i understand the appeal of monster hunter as a multiplayer experience Mm -hmm. well and i as a person who who played a a decent amount of the original fantasy star online um i don't find that two really captures the same thing to me so that it's 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 a weird it's a weird thing where the literal sequel doesn't feel like a spiritual sequel to me right but um it's I feel like I feel like the thing like the the PSO thing to me is like these games that are like can be single player or f- quite small scale multiplayer. Um they're not like these big persistent online worlds, they're mission based and it is very much like like crunchy mechanical feel, I guess. Um mm-hmm. I don't think like I certainly wouldn't say like PSO1 is like this fucking like Dark Souls style animation priority game, but like there is a, in a weird way, it does kind of have some of that where, like, when you hit a button, you commit to that fucking button in PSO1, you know? It is not a floaty experience in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I think carrying that, and also they had the idea of the Hunter Pass, which, uh, hmm, you know, here we mm. are now. Here we are now. <laughs> so, backing up a bit, I get, get, getting, you know, laying the groundwork and got a little, got a little carried away, laid a foundation a little bigger than maybe we need. Um, what does Monster Hunter mean to you? Well, to me, so I, my history of Monster Hunter, I've, I've told this story before, but not on a podcast. Um, I played the original beta for Monster Hunter on the PS2, 
My brother and I were part of a program that we got the PS2 modem when it was a separate accessory. Um, and I beta tested Final Fantasy XI on console, but I also beta tested Monster Hunter. And the only thing that I can really remember about my time with Monster Hunter on the PS2 with that beta was that it was so weird and different. And also you controlled all your attacks with the right stick and had no camera control, mm. which was a choice. Well, yeah, it's a choice that carried over to many of the other games, too, because, like, PSP didn't have a right analog stick. <laughs> sure, but it I had... I think you used the D-pad, right? You used the D-pad. That's where the infamous claw, like, um, f- you know, way you held the PSP showed up in which you use your middle finger on the left trigger, use your index finger on the D-pad, and your left thumb on the uh, PSP nub to control your character. It is. I did that for uh, for portable ops, but yeah, I yeah. think I did think I think it was definitely more a monster hunter thing. In fact, it is such a monster hunter thing that in Japan they released a special accessory for the 3DS games that put a um joy like a sliding stick um on the left index finger for the people that got so used to controlling <laughs> the camera with their index finger. Wow. Um. But I had I never really had an experience with Monster Hunter. Um, but Monster Hunter Rise is the first game I really got into. I watched a little bit of World. I watched Jen play it on a stream uh, some time ago. Um, and I've been always casually like sort of interested in Monster Hunter. Um, but I think Rise hit me at the perfect time. Um, and it has like it has a lot of stuff that um, I've been told is like great improvements to the formula while old, still feeling like an older Monster Hunter game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what What about you, Jen? What's your? I mean, I know I know you played World. We played some World together back in the day. No, not not a ton. Yeah. So my main memories of Monster Hunter, like I'm pretty sure I played one that was like. Maybe not the PS2 era, but maybe PSP. I remember renting it at some point and being like, I don't get this. This feels bad. And then at some point I got uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate on the 3DS. I understood its appeal a little bit more, but it was still like something that was like, eh, it's, it's not really doing much for me. I bought Monster Hunter World because everyone was talking about it and it looked neat, but... Uh, really didn't understand how to play it all that well. I kept bouncing off the systems. And by the time Rise came out... Well, I also <laughs> tried one of the demos on the Wii U. Like, Oh, they, that was uh, for you, I think? Uh, I think it was something other than 4, but yeah. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's like 4 Ultimate was the Wii U game. But okay. I could be wrong. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, it took rise for me to finally get what was going on but uh once i did like once i finally spent some time just getting used to how a a specific weapon felt it felt great especially since uh the main thing with rise is that you have a bunch of mobility stuff that you don't have in these other games it makes it feel much swifter yeah yeah 
the the wire bugs are a new um addition for rise and it adds some like universal movement options that weren't in the previous games um but it, it does feel really good to like you get knocked back by the monster but you hold zl and b and you could just whip yourself across the battlefield back into the fight mm-hmm um, so I played, I think I played um, Freedom and Freedom, uh, Freedom and Freedom Unite 2. I don't know. I, pl- I played I played two different PSP ones back in the day. Um, and both of them, I got just into the point where um, I was not, like, I got to the point where I realized I started to having to grind for armor. And I was like, this doesn't seem fun anymore. And I stopped. Um, also because I, at that time, I had some friends who, uh, would constantly be like, hey, you should get this game and play it with us, and then would never play the game with me. And that was the premise under which I got Monster Hunter. And then I was like, okay, well, if we're not actually going to do this thing, then fuck this. Um, so I had some experience with Monster Hunter, and I think I, I basically liked the, the some of the fundamental mechanics, but I had some problems with its, its flow and stuff. Um, and then a World came, and I had a pretty good time with World. Um, I fell off eventually just because I think honestly because I had the wrong weapon. I was I was trying to be a good um, member of the team, and no one ever wants to be the ranged person, so I got the bow, and it's just boring. Um, and that's the thing that we're going to talk about is, is is weapons and some of my problems with the weapons in this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but so now I'm here with Rise and. Honestly, it doesn't feel that different to me than World. I don't feel like it's particularly better. Um, I'm having a decent amount of fun with it, but also I have some some frustration. And uh, I don't know. Monster Hunter continues to be a series that I think has a lot of really great things about it, but also has some pretty big problems to me. Yeah, like, despite this being Capcom's best-selling franchise, for a company that, like, has seen better days in the past, but also, like, has produced uh, all sorts of gigantic hits. Um, it's amazing that it's gotten to this point, and it's still so terrible at teaching you how to play it. Yeah, so that's, I guess that's that's a good place to start, uh, because, Kyrie, this is your first proper Monster Hunter experience. Mm-hmm. Um, how was your onboarding? That went real smooth, right? That? I okay so I did have to look up some um tertiary information in order to understand a certain things but I I decided to like I I've always known that Monster Hunter is notoriously like a difficult and complex game to get into so the way I did it was I first I got advice as to what weapon I should go with and I um I've been sticking with sword and shield for now because mm-hmm. that's kind of the it's one it's basic but it still it still has its depths it still has things that you can do with it but it has a very simple game plan um which is you know run up hit the monster slice his tail off that kind of thing um mm-hmm. and for me I basically compartmentalized like a lot of different aspects of monster hunter where I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to deal with several of the systems until I feel like it is relevant for me to deal with. Um, And 
I largely have been, um, like I did my research and I, I think I, like there's still stuff that I'm learning. There's still stuff that the game doesn't exactly make 100% clear, but mm-hmm. I think I get it. I think I am like 75% of the way there. Um, I think I just got into like high ranked stuff and they've introduced some new wrinkles but at that point, like, I think I have a solid enough foundation that I can start building upon those things. Okay. All right. That sounds, that's, you know, that sounds more positive than I expected, honestly. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, I'm over here. Well, I've watched several YouTube tutorial videos, but also I'm just constantly asking Kyrie questions when she's in the room. Like, hey, what does this mean? Or, hey, how did you fight this one monster? Or what am I doing wrong here? Yeah, I... I feel like, I mean, one of the things that has really bothered me is, um, so I ended up, ugh, I, I'm going to want to talk so much about weapons because that's, I think, honestly, my biggest source of frustration in this game is the weapons. It's um, one of the biggest bugbears with the game because, like, there's so many of them and they're terrible at teaching you which one is going to be best for you. So it's so easy to, like, pick a weapon that you think is going to be something you like, but then you end up playing with it for a while and it sours your opinion on the whole game because, oh, this weapon sucks. And even then, I think that there's some, like, just... Even the cool weapons, they make choices that I think are just dumb. Um, So I am using the longsword. The longsword is the weapon I used back on the PSP. Um, I think probably one of the first games it came out in, I I used it. Um, And I liked it at that time. Um, but eventually I was like, no, I need to be more of a team player. I had my bow phase. I had a, a twin blade phase in the second of those PSP games. Um, and I've sort of fallen back into longsword. Um, and on longsword, my problem is, first of all, it took me a long time to find the training room in this game because there's just, I know it exists. There's no indication as to how you're supposed to fucking reach it. At one point, I got the objective to talk to the, like, the Palico trainer, and I was like, this man does not exist. He is not on this map. And it turned out there was just a random doorway I could walk through across a bridge that had no indication that it was an area I could access whatsoever. I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's over here. Got it. Um, But even then, in the training mode that displays all of your fucking shit, it leaves moves out. There are moves it will not teach you how to do. Right. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it doesn't like you have to go into a sub menu of a sub menu to actually read what each weapon and mode does. But like even then, when you're doing moves and it's telling you the name of the move, it's like okay, with twin blades, I'm going into this demon mode, but I don't know what that demon mode is, and I don't know how to get to this next level of demon mode. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, with longsword, there's a uh, there are some Eido attacks, which are apparently I've been told that's like that's the way at least in this game you need to play it is with Eido strikes, and there is no indication anywhere in the game and when it explains how to use a long blade that Eido exists at all. It there's it does just doesn't tell you. Not even within the um, not even within the hunter notes. Uh, I don't think so. I'd have to double check. You're making me second guess myself, but I don't think it mentions it. No. Right. Because I, I, um, 
I messed around, like, I, um, forged a particularly cool-looking, um, switchblade and charge blade, and, Mm -hmm. um, I decided to, like, look in, like, I wanted to see what the official materials, um, say, and they do lay out certain things, but, um, it's still missing, uh, certain components. Like, I used the charge blade, and I still don't necessarily know how to get rid of the files, um, but, uh, like, I know the information is out there. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? You mentioned the charge blade. The charge blade is, to me, one of the most frustrating weapons because it seems really cool. But, like, I, so many of these weapons that are, they're either too simple and they're boring to me, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would, I, I personally don't find sword and shield satisfying. I think it's too simple. I would also put dual blades there. I would put the bow there. I would put the um, bow guns there as well because you're just you're just like you're just shooting things that yeah can't shoot turn- back. Yeah, you're turning it into a third person shooter where most of the monsters don't have a ranged option. Mm-hmm. I will uh, say though, dual blades the thing where you can basically take your dual blades and run them across the back of their sp- of a big monster's spine like riding it that way that's pretty cool definitely there are, there are certainly cool moves just the moment to moment i don't find that engaging but like the ones that are really cool often don't make any fucking sense like the charge blade right the charge blade is a weapon where it's like okay it has the sword and shield form which you use to fill up the vials and you switch into axe form to spend those vials basically is the meta right Mm-hmm. And then there are things where, like, oh, you can charge up your shield and you can charge up your sword and you can do a discharge from the axe. But all of these are like three steps of input in. There's no way to just do them in a way that's really obnoxious. I don't understand why they can't just make the moves usable. It feels like, like, what if you were playing a fighting game character, but all of their special moves were locked behind going into a stance while already in a different stance. Just let me use the fucking move. Yeah. Uh, like, I personally, I still want to try and, like, give the charge blade an honest shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of frustrating that several of its, like, core aspects are locked behind, like, certain moves that they don't make 100% clear. Um Yeah, and uh, Hammer is a little bit more straightforward to me just because, like, it's a very role-based thing where if you're playing in multiplayer, your main goal is to, like, keep Punch your teammates ha- across the area? Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I meant keep getting headshots on the monster so that it eventually gets stunned and everyone can kind of have their cut of it for a bit. But, uh, yeah, there's... It's very confusing what the other modes within... Like, this whole thing is that you can switch stances uh, for pretty much all the weapons. And uh, I'm still getting used to what the other stances do. Like, I know that one of them lets me hold down the hammer button and then release and basically do a spin holding the hammer out, which is kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, it's bad at letting you... I feel like it's bad at giving you enough information to experiment and figure out what works best for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... Well, 
we, we've been talking a lot about how much this game frustrates us, but also, like, it's pretty fantastic when it just hits, too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like when it works, it works really well. Like, I found myself, like, I typically do not like like grinding in a game unless, like, I find the combat particularly enjoyable. And I don't know. I found myself um, fighting the Mizu, uh, the Mizusune uh, a bunch of times to get their cool armor. Mm-hmm. Like I fought seven of those things, and each fight, like I felt it was I, I. There was like that stage of you know initially fighting the monster and not knowing what it can do and what it's capable of, but then over time as you refight the monster, there's this really satisfying feeling of like, oh, I know exactly what's going to do next. I have the counter for it. I know what to do next. It feels really good to learn the routines and patterns of these monsters and so that if I ever do a multiplayer mission and we're hunting a Mizusune, I can basically confidently say, like, oh, I know how to take this thing down. Mm-hmm. Here's what we do. I mean, Monster Hunter, I think its its core appeal is basically it is a game of nothing but boss fights. Like, and good ones, right? That's, obviously, that's an essential piece of it is they have to be good boss fights or it doesn't really work. But, uh-huh. like... There are no, like, you may end up doing some grinding, but you're never going to have fights where it's just like, okay, I'm just going to stand here and hit the sword button over and over and, like, you know, check my phone. You can't do that. Oh, yeah. Like, every fight has something unique to it that you have to be aware of. Like, I'm just looking at the list of monsters, and I can pick one off of the list here. Um, Let's say, like... Here's the thing Here's the thing you need to know about Kezu. Maybe you should be looking at your phone because you don't want to look at the screen because that thing's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, Kezu's oh, yeah. a bit of a... <laughs> Kezu is a nightmare that has no theme music. <laughs> um, but, like, even fighting something as simple as a great Azuchi is like, oh, you gotta be aware of its a spinning tail attack and the fact that it has usually two little uh, Izuchis with it and... It's like, there's always something that you need to consider when you're fighting this thing, especially as the stages change. And I think another cool thing that they do in Rise is they've introduced the ability to ride on the monsters. Mm -hmm. Like, when you stun them to a certain degree, you can just ride them. And then you can either attack other big monsters on the map, or most of the time, you're just ramming it into a wall and then repositioning yourself, which is really fun to do. Like, it, like every time I, like, you know, the Wyvern ride a prompt shows up, I'm like, oh, hell yes, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna smash this monster <laughs> straight into a wall. And have the previous games had destructible environments? Because... There are certain things that you can smash the monster into and it gets destroyed and it feels great. There was a little bit of that in World. I think that's all I can think of. But also, I haven't played all the... I didn't play, like, the Wii U one and stuff, so I couldn't say for that. But, like, I mean, you know, World had, like, like some trees and stuff. But that's... Yeah, again, that's all I can think of. Yeah. Also, speaking of the older games, uh, this is also something that was in World. But uh, the fact that you don't have to go through a loading period every time you change uh specific areas of the map that Mm -hmm. is a huge deal because i remember playing the 3ds version and every time i went to chase a monster into another area i got like a 
10 to 15 second load time. I was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely a huge, a huge bummer and really, uh, really fucked up the pacing of the game. I think it flows a lot more organically. It feels like what the game always should have been, you know? Right, because like the segmented worlds was a technological limitation mm-hmm. that I think Capcom, especially with World and Rise, have basically found a way to work around that. In you know, they've like it, it definitely helps that um, they have a really good understanding of like Capcom's been using custom engines for a little while now, and they have a really good understanding of their engines. Like I think World was uh, made on the NT framework. Mm. I could be wrong. Um, that sounds right. Right. But Rise, you get the big logo at the beginning that this was built off of the RE engine. And they clearly have the RE engine down pat because, you know, they made it. And it works really well to um, help them create, you know, cohesive maps and worlds. You know, when you're fighting these massive monsters and I could just see with my eye, you know, where the monster is going is a really satisfying feeling like i still check the mini map obviously Mm -hmm. but there is something like you know it's built into the game that you could just track with your own physical eyeballs you know where the monster is going you don't run into loading zones or you don't see the monster disappear because it hit a loading zone um yeah they even give you your palamute uh which is a new animal to this specific monster hunter uh it's basically a big dog that you can ride big on dog and uh yeah it's they encourage you to basically just zoom through the map um when you're chasing it down while gathering resources and stuff along the way this one's for curie also they don't have paintballs anymore remember paintballs jen yeah so curie you know how when uh, and a monster disengages and you look at the minimap and you see where it's going? Mm-hmm. It used to be unless you had an item called a paintball that you specifically threw and hit the uh, hit the monster with, you didn't see them on your minimap. They were just gone. Ah, I and you see. just had to wander around through loading screens and guess. And that's like for the older games. Uh huh. Oh yeah. I mean, I think even World had that. I mean, I don't, you know, I didn't have the didn't have the loading screens, but I think it did have paintballs. Yeah, I think we had to do something like that when we were playing. And uh, also, uh, you used to have to consume items to um, sharpen your weapon. That too, yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, they give you infinite supplies of whetstones, which is welcome. Yeah, and you can like get items that are consumable and do it a little bit faster, but... Uh, it's nice that you can basically go into one of these and it, it feels like you're not going to be completely fucked if you leave an item or two behind. You can also just like hop on your palamute, hop on your doggo, and just run in circles around the monster while sharpening your weapon. That's pretty useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually surprised uh, the, um, the, like, the grapple bug, I haven't actually ended up using that much in combat. Yeah. Mostly for exploration, then? Like, when you're yeah. going for gathering? Or yeah, it's like, like, you know, it's good for, like, you know, climbing up a wall or something, or just getting around a little faster. But, like, in a fight, I feel like, partially it's the way they change up the controls. Maybe I'm just not used to it. But, like, 
when I try and do like a oh let me just do a quick little like wire dodge instead my character like tethers themselves to the ground and I'm like why the fuck would I ever want to do this yeah I haven't had that problem because um I mostly use the wire bugs for like when I take a hit I'm sent flying you can use it as a quick recovery I like um, a Kenny yeah yeah you yeah it's really helpful and also I use the wire bugs for like you get these wire bug moves like per weapon and some of them are defensive and like it's per weapon what they do mm. but the sword and shield has a really useful one in which you just whip your sword around like a lot like a tornado and you just deal a bunch of damage and so it's really i find it really useful for when i've stunned the monster to mm. you know use that move and get some free free hits in yeah, it's also interesting how they reincorporate attacks from previous games and make them easier um, via the wirebug attacks. Like, the very first one you get for your hammer, or at least the one that just uses up one wirebug, is the same twirling leap with the hammer that you would do, like, in World if you were leaping off a ledge. But in this, the wirebug giving you verticality gives you that ledge to leap off of. Mm-hmm. I haven't messed with those all that much. Maybe I should try them more. Yeah. Yeah, I I find myself incorporating them into, like, into combat a lot. Especially, like, I love the wall run quite a bit. um, Because, like, I have found myself, like, flinging myself to a wall so that I could run across it to get a little bit of extra distance from the monster Mm -hmm. off of just one wire bug or set of stamp, like, chunk of stamina. Um like the movement feels like once you get the movement down like i've been having a, like i find ways to express myself within the combat which feels really good like any good combat system should let you have an avenue for self expression and i think i'm finding i the thing that is bringing me joy about this game is the avenues of which i find ways to express myself um i love the switch moves that they've introduced which are basically um like you have a set moves move set but the switch moves you unlock and you unlock new moves like within a move set so one of the examples that off the top of my head is for the lance you can basically replace the lance button the shield button with a parry and that and that completely changes the way you know you approach a fight um because instead of just pulling out your sword and waiting an attack out you are now at this point in which you parry and get free hits in but you have to take a huge risk um so like the moves aren't inherently more powerful the switch moves aren't inherently more powerful than the base move set but it changes the way in which you approach a fight. Um, The Sword and Shield has one in which you um, leap up into the air and you get, you basically have three options from there. Um, You could do like a falling slash or a falling shield bash. I forget the third one because I mostly just use shield bash because it feels really good to just (laughs) slam the shield into the (laughs) head of the monster and get a stun. So this is interesting because I think I've unlocked those, and because the game is so bad at explaining, I didn't understand what I'd unlocked. Yep. That's me with the hammer switch moves right now. Like, I, I, did, I need to look up... 
Hopefully the YouTube person I was relying on for, like, how to get started in Monster Hunter Rise will eventually get to the hammer, so I can figure out some more of that, but, uh... You go into your item box, and, um... Oh, I, I know how to access the moves, I just don't know, like, what's the point of changing my stance within the hammer, because I don't know much about what the advantage is of this other hammer type. That's fair. Yeah, it is. It is. It's just kind of baffling that the the series has gotten this big. It's this many entries in, and they still haven't had a moment where like they had an outside developer come in and be like, "Let me teach you how to ch like show anyone anything ever." <laughs> yeah, it's the co op multiplayer experience of it is more or less the thing that saves them in that regard because if. Like, I'm surrounded by people on Twitter and otherwise who have been into Monster Hunter for a while, so if you tell them, hey, I'm getting into Monster Hunter, do you have any tips? They're like an open book of, oh, okay, here's something that you could try. Here's something I think would be a good fit for you. All that sort of stuff. Which is why I kind of compared it to an MMO earlier, because I think um, there is that culture around MMOs of where, mm -hmm. you know, you just have a breadth of options in any given MMO, and... Um, what kind of saves it from being so like it's daunting you know but what kind of saves it is like a really strong community effort to you know teach new players like how to play the game or you know having friends who are willing to you know explain new stuff like i've had a really positive experience um doing uh multiplayer stuff and learning from new players um I actually did a game earlier today in which I did a few hunts with um, just randos, and mm -hmm. that wasn't the worst experience in the world, so... Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the flip side, uh, people are finding ways to be elitist about this game just because people are writing about how, hey, this game doesn't teach you shit, and they're going in the comments being like, well, actually, this game explains more than any other Monster Hunter. Like, yeah... Even even though it's explaining more than the other monster hunters, it's still shit at explaining. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I don't think those two thoughts are mutually exclusive. Like, it can be the most approachable, like, it can be the most approachable game and still have aspects in which are utterly baffling or difficult. Mm -hmm. I will say one of the things that's kept me going, even through my frustration, is that, uh... I really like the world that Capcom have put together here. Like, uh, there's something about Camera Village, especially, where it almost feels like Disney World level of attention to detail, where you're just walking around and there's always something interesting to see. Like, occasionally, if you stop by the outside of your house, you'll see a little palico bathing in a bucket with a red rubber ducky. And sometimes he is there, sometimes he isn't there. Um, you can go to specific parts of the map to see the pets that you sent out to like do your errands for you you can basically see them floating down the river uh, my favorite thing that we discovered the other day was you go in your house and there is a ninja cat in the walls that gives you tips <laughs> mostly useless tips because they're about like you know gossip about the various characters in the village but it was still pretty funny yeah, it's a much more charming, uh, charming like 
hub world than than previous Monster Hunters, and I think also, especially compared to Monster Hunter World, one of the one of the criticisms that I think was entirely justified was that Monster Hunter World was about like, okay, we're heading to this new continent. It's a new, like, untamed land, and we're just going to murder everything here. And it was like, okay, um, this is a little, a little problematic. Um, <laughs> and obviously, there's still you're still hunting monsters, right? But through the context of the rampage and the way the, um, like, the opening, like, the... Um, the songs that introduce the monsters, they sort of go out of the way to be like, this monster is a piece of shit. I <laughs> You're love okay those. to kill them. <laughs> I love those intros. Those intros in Japanese are so fun because it's basically kabuki wailing uh, while they read a poem about this monster you're about to fight. It's got film grain over it for no reason, and it has you know just it's really uh, entertaining and a really good way to hype up like a new monster kabuki guy going great jaggy what a piece of shit <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh sadly for the english dub they just turned them into straight up reading poems with the music in the background <laughs> though that's still there's still something funny about this very serious sounding announcer um making all these silly rhymes about how these monsters suck yeah i yeah i honestly i am excited to play more of this game i like i said i just hit high rank in the uh online uh quests i want to continue down that path and i it's also gotten me interested in at some point checking out some of the older monster hunter games because you know i granted they are full of issues but I think I st- I'm starting to see what the core appeal of this series is. And I think understanding that core appeal would help me, you know, go back to those, you know, games that I may have bounced off of and have maybe a new appreciation for them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, I mean, Monster Hunter World had a fair bit of, of post-launch support, and I'm optimistic that they'll they'll put out, you know, new monsters and stuff. Because if there is one thing, like, over the history of Monster Hunter, I have become quite attached to certain monsters and would really love to see them again they've had some really amazing designs yeah like they've talked about how they're putting in like well they're basically finishing the main quest story like later this month but also that's the 3.0 that's later yeah what so the plan that they laid out is like the 2.0 release is going to be a bunch of new monsters but 3.0 will have um, that has a doesn't have a date attached to it, and that's when a new ending will um, pop up. Oh, okay. I thought that was later this month. Well, what's later this month is more monsters that they're adding. Um, the first one they announced was Camellios. Um, yeah, uh, ba- based on the way that they've talked about it too. Well, based on the stuff you see in the menu as well, it sounds like it's a situation where they're going to be adding stuff through a lot of title updates, but they're also going to be having certain DLC you can buy for them. Right now, it's mostly just a bunch of various cosmetics, like getting Kabuki fakes paint for your character. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think I like the trend appears to be that eventually they release a new, um, you know, a new expansion um, to the monster, like 
what they did for World was they released Iceborne, which, um, if I recall correctly, introduced um, high-level, like, G-ranked fights. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I'm really excited when they add, like, I, I think of this as, you know, the next couple of months is, like, sort of, like, oh, me getting ready for that release, you know? Because I think I think they added some also that were just like that that were just not generally in the um in the I think they there were some they added just post launch that weren't part of Iceborne, but I could be incorrect about that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like I don't know, I really want to see like I mean there are even some ones from uh from World that I would really love to see again. I'd love to see the the Kirin again. I'd love to see what's the um there was one that was really fucked up looking trying to remember it like it, it was just like it looked like like a skinless wolf it was this it was this nasty motherfucker it was a really fun fight huh I'm trying to think of what that would be uh let me see if i can find it by looking around you uh the odogaron the odogaron was a fucking mean little bastard it was a great fight Oh, there it is. Odegaran. I'm clicking the Wikipedia. The... Wow, that thing looks dope. Yeah, it was it, it was like this acrobatic. It would like like hop around and like cling to the cling to the ceiling and then lunge down and slash at you. It was a real bastard. It was a great fight. Uh, yeah, even the little smaller monsters in this are very entertaining. Like there's just this gigantic uh gremlin raccoon in um rise that wanders around and and as soon as anyone hits it they let out fiery gas as they deflate <laughs> oh yeah. right the the ones based off of like tanukis like the round boys yeah and in terms of the bigger ones i think my favorite is like the gigantic monkey that break dances on its prehensile tail and uh if you time your stuns right, you can basically pick up the fruit it was about to throw at you and throw it at them instead. Mm-hmm. Or just eat it. You can eat the fruit in front of them to regain your health and your stamina. And that's like, oh, that's such a good taunt. Just, you are going to throw this at me, but thank you. I'm just going to eat it. And now I'm going to kill you better. <laughs> yeah, the Bishaten was like, the Bisha 10 was, I think, the turning point for the, the game for me because it's the first, like, kind of hard fight that they throw at you. And I was having so much fun fighting the Bisha 10. I, I got its full armor set for a little while. Nice. Um, but now, like, I actually, um, so, um, I got extremely lucky when I was the Amudron, which is one of the new monsters, uh, for Rise, which is this massive wyvern that um plays around in the mud and launches like massive tidal waves of mud at you Hmm. um i had to like in order to get the greaves for it it requires a plate which has a four percent chance to drop (laughs) um but i got it on my third try and i felt very satisfied (laughs) Nice. nice like and also it's just a fun fight to do because um it can um basically it creates like a mud platform at one point and that's the tell that's going to use like a mud tidal wave that you can stand on the platform and dodge it but it has this big old tail and at one point it gets like a massive mud ball that just swings around nice one of my one of my early faves actually was uh the lagombi 
the like the bear rabbit. Still, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a dumb, mean little bastard. <laughs> it slid around, slid around on its belly. <laughs> and threw snowballs yeah. at you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the monster design goes a long way towards you not feeling super duper guilty when you kill or capture these things. Just because, like, they're just designed in the most gremlin way possible. <laughs> like, combinations of two animals that you would never think of in your wildest dreams. They find a way to make it work. Is the next Quorum show, like, the Monster Hunter Quorum? You know, it's not a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) They do have that Pokemon spinoff. Bad news about the Pookie Pookie. Sorry, boss. You're not making the cut. Yeah, Pookie Pookie sucks. (laughs) It's big old fart tail. (laughs) It's not here for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter Rise has has some issues. There's there's some I object to some parts of it, but um, really a, a a great time overall. Um, a shame that they still don't understand the concept that people might play the game who haven't played every other game they've ever made. But you know, what can you do about that? Yeah, it, it's not like they're getting punished for it in any capacity because <laughs> they just keep selling so many copies. Yeah. That's true. They, uh, it, w- it would be nice if they, of their own accord, were like, what if we made this doable for new people? But I guess they just don't want to. Yeah. But at the very least, like, the community resources out there, uh, and I appreciate that. And it's, um, it, it, it speaks to, it speaks to how strong the core appeal of this game is that there is a community out there ready and willing to teach you how to play it because it is like, it is just so fun to fight Mm. these monsters. Yeah. Like I'm having an awesome time and I, uh, I have some friends who are planning to get the PC release, um, which is slated for 2022. Um, and honestly, I plan on probably, I'll probably pick up the PC release so I can play with them and, you know, I would be starting fresh from the beginning, but to me, I would just say, all right, I'm going to pick a new weapon and see what I can do. Yeah. Though it is worth mentioning that the Switch version looks really nice. Like they got a lot out of the hardware, which is not something you see for a lot of third party developers of Capcom size, like, Mm -hmm. uh. I feel like oftentimes what you see is people trying to port games that run on much more demanding hardware to this and don't really put the... They basically... One thing leads to another and it doesn't exactly run like you hope it would. But uh, here it runs really well. It looks fantastic. And uh, I think it definitely helps that it has like, such a strong art design, like art direction that it is such a it's a very readable uh game um so that you know it you don't mind that it's not running at the highest possible you know resolution you know Mm -hmm. like they made it they somehow made an action game feel good running at 30 frames per second they've been doing that for years kiri (laughs) i know but i'm a snob (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like action games need to be at sixty. 
<laughs> I mean, they do need to be at 60. That's they true. do, absolutely. This is partially why I want to get the PC release, because then, it, you know, it'll run at 60. So it'll probably be even better. <laughs> but I'm, as you can tell, I'm having a, just a fantastic time with Rise. And um, it's probably, like, I haven't, you know, it's still early, but it's, for me, at the very least, it's a contender for, like, one of my games of the year already. We'll see how that goes for you. I bet I bet 2021 has other plans. When that cyberpunk patch hits, you're going to be like, God damn, uh-huh. I don't want to play cyberpunk. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <sighs> All right, well, I think that's I think that's it for, for Monster Hunter for now. I don't know. I, I, it, it seems like this will probably not be the last time we talk about Monster Hunter around here, but uh, a nice a nice little conversation a week out from, well, a, a little over a week out from release just to, you know, see how it's going for us. Yeah, and I want to play, you know, like I said, I want to play more of it, and I want to play multiplayer stuff. I just... I can't. I. I. This game has just won me over in a major way. Yeah. Excited to get into more hunts with y'all. Hmm. Huh? Just, just what? don't, just don't toss me around this time, Jen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Watch where you're swinging. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. Like only certain attacks. Knock your knock your teammates around. I am lucky in that the longsword doesn't have very many of those, so I can just kind of hack away. The hammer has a lot of them. Yeah. So, but uh, until next time, uh, we'll, we'll we'll take it to our, our quick little plug zone. Jen, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at jbu3 on Twitter. Um, most of my stuff is on scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com/scanlinemedia. Um, I also run a narrative gaming podcast, well, book club podcast, that's <laughs> a narrative gaming podcast styled after a book club podcast called Novel Not New, a true end podcast, and you can find it at readinggames.online. It's funny, because I really have never found the podcast very hard to pitch, but Jen just struggles with it. Uh, <laughs> she had the elevator pitch for this show at one point. <laughs> Well, I, I can't say narrative gaming because Abnormal Mapping Network already has a narrative gaming podcast. No, they have a choice-based podcast. We've been over this. <laughs> right, right. Okay, narrative gaming book club podcast. There we go. One and done. Yep. No, that was one take. Yep. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. Kyrie, <laughs> where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Kyrie A page on Twitter.com. Uh, that's where I post my Monster Hunter stuff. And also... Hey, we just recorded a new episode of Ultimate Despair Reprise, our Danganronpa podcast. Uh, you can follow that at You Despaircast on Twitter, and we're gonna pretty soon we're gonna post a new episode and not take a six month break again. Hopefully, <laughs> all right. Uh, we had a really fun conversation uh, for this last episode. I'm really happy to get back into it. Um, it's kind of a shame that our podcast is defined by like having obscenely long breaks between certain episodes, but listen, life happens. Oh. And yeah. so does Dongan Rampa, and sometimes you're like, man, I just need some time. <laughs> it's true. Indeed. 
Uh, if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at six step R S I X D E T T M A R. Uh, you, you've already heard where to find my work, scanlightmedia.com, patreon.com, scanlightmedia. I do a lot of it and I hope you enjoy it. And, uh, friends and folks until next time. Peace. See ya later.